0: Well, thank you all very much for that warm welcome. I always feel good to be here because I can just I get the hoops and the hollers, and that 's always very nice pastor richie 's not able to be here today had just kind of this little wedding that he had to do. His son Christian was getting married and uh, as well as Jenna uh, pastor Brooks' daughter so they 're in Colorado, I think on their way back, probably right now but it 's my pleasure and my privilege to get to share with you today about something that the Lord's laid on my heart I call this message today sowing to the spirit sowing to the spirit and so we're going to talk today about the law of sowing and reaping you all have Sure heard some messages about that. You probably know about that as well. But I'm going to kind of give a different, maybe different perspective. I'm going to talk about how that law applies in our life and how we begin to walk that out. We see the blessings of God and we see a, a more of a strength that comes into our spiritual life as we apply that law to our understanding. But to do that, um, first we need to talk about a concept that most of you have probably heard about. We sang about it in worship, as a matter of fact. I love it when the Holy Spirit synchronizes is everything and, and uh, Kathy brought that in as well as uh, Pastor Richie's video when he talked about kingdom builders. I want to talk first before we get to the law of sowing and reaping about the idea of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, right? We hear about that a lot. Jesus mentioned it over ninety times in in the Gospels, and so you know it 's a very important concept they they 're used interchangeably. Kingdom of God and kingdom of Heaven are kind of the, are basically the same things, but a lot of times as christians i don 't think we fully understand what that kingdom means. We, think, we sing about the King of Kings coming into Christmas time, a lot of carols, and that uh, talks about the king and the the, the Lord as king, uh, but we don 't fully understand i don 't think the impact and the power that the kingdom of heaven has in our lives today. Okay, So I want to just teach on that just a little bit before we begin to talk about these laws of of the principles. So um, John the Baptist, when he first came, announcing the coming of Jesus Christ, announcing the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. He said, in fact, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is nigh unto you. It's coming, and then in Mark 1, when Jesus first came, one of the first teachings that he gave, he talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven being near to you, being, being here on earth, and repent and receive the gospel. That's, that's what he talked about. Well, what caused some confusion for a lot of the listeners, a lot of the, uh, the, the folks that existed at that time, even the followers of Christ, is that they thought he was talking about establishing an earthly kingdom fact, they were ready to go ahead and put him on the throne. He, they believed he was the Messiah, but they mistakenly thought that the Messiah was going to come and establish an earthly kingdom and that he would deliver Israel from their enemies. At the time, it was the Romans, right? And so they were under Roman occupation. They were under, under uh, the, the governance of, of Rome. Pilate, in particular, was, was over them. And, and they thought, okay, Jesus set up your kingdom, and, and we're ready for Israel just to get to reach all its glory right here on earth. But Jesus dispelled them of that idea. <laughs> one thing, he went to the cross, right? And A lot of them, when he went to the cross and he died, they're going, oh, what is this? You know, you were supposed to be our earthly king. You were supposed to be the one to set up your throne here on earth. And now you've gone to the cross and he lost a lot of followers, right? A lot of folks, even some of his disciples, uh, you know, questioned that and wondered how, how, did, how could all that work? And but Jesus was at the same time, he was talking about the fact that the kingdom has come nigh unto them. It's come near to them. He taught them on several occasions that I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on heaven will be bound on earth. So they knew there was an earthly dimension to it, right? They knew there was this idea that it had something to do with establishing a kingdom here on earth. But then their king went to the cross and died, right? And so they're going, so how does exactly, how can all this, how can all this work? How can it all work out? But what Jesus began to make clear as he went to the cross and as the writings of Paul and others began to make clear that the kingdom of God does have an earthly dimension to it. You know, Jesus said, pray this way when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? And so we know there is a, an establishment of the kingdom that does pl- take place here on earth. We know that there is some evidence of that kingdom in some way, but we're just not sure often how that works. If you read the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, you read some, some books about the apocalyptic times, about the coming, the end of, end of the age and the end of the world, you'll also recognize that, that in the book of Revelation it teaches that Jesus will come back a second time. That I believe, there's different beliefs, but I believe that he will rapture his church rapture being basically quickly suddenly taken up in the twinkling of an eye the trump the trump of god then the church will be raptured up that church being comprised of individual believers like you and me right those who are true followers of christ will be raptured up and so shall we be with the lord in heaven and in the earth i believe by the way that's a seven year period of time that's the marriage supper of the lamb Okay. It's a seven-day feast in Israel weddings. It's a seven-year period in, in biblical times, I believe. We'll have the wedding supper of the Lamb. The church will be celebrating and communing with Jesus Christ in heaven, in his kingdom. And then he will come back after seven years of tribulation here on earth. Okay. He will come back and will establish literally his throne here on earth. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. I believe it's a thousand years, literally a thousand year reign, where he will rule this earth. New heavens, new earth will come down then, but he will rule this earth as the king, as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so there will be an establishment, I believe, there will be an establishment of his kingdom here on earth at some time at his second return. Some people will teach, I'm not one of those it's called Kingdom Now Theology that said the church will usher that in, that we will ultimately conquer essentially all forces of evil, then Jesus will come. I believe the conquering of evil comes when Jesus comes. Okay? And I believe the church is to be glorified, we're to be triumphant, we are supposed to be victorious, but that we will continue to suffer persecution, we'll continue to suffer difficulty, we live in a fallen world, right, until Jesus does come and manifest his kingdom here on earth. Okay. so that's, that's in the future but to talk about today where we live now and how that kingdom has evidenced itself how it operates what goes on then we need to fully understand what that kingdom is here's what I believe the kingdom of God is it exists in the heart and in the lives of any follower of Christ who will make him Lord who will make him king we sang about it Kathy led the, led the worship that said, let the king of my heart you know, be the mountain I run to. Let the king of my heart be the wind beneath my sails. Let the king of my heart be the anchor of my ways. Right? That's, it's talking about putting Jesus at a place of kingship, <clears throat> at a place of lordship, at a place of ruling and reigning in your heart. That's why Jesus said that the kingdom is nigh unto you. It's, it's, it's in your heart. He said, my kingdom is not of man, my kingdom is not of this earth, but it's manifest in this earth, it's evidenced in this earth when my followers and my subjects, right, subjects in the kingdom, my subjects bow their knee, bow their will to my will. See? So that whenever we become believers in Christ, when we accept the work that Jesus Christ has done in our lives, then the kingdom of God is planted in our hearts and in our minds our point there our place there our purpose there is to continue to be subject to his will of the king if we lived in a monarchy if we were familiar with the way kingdoms work we're not we're independent not only are we americans we're texans right so like that idea of kingship is pretty foreign to us right we shall have no king right that's us but You know, if we did live in a monarchy, then we would understand that our allegiance, our first allegiance is to the king, okay? But the king's allegiance is to us, right? Because he provides us security, he provides us provision, you know, he provides us safety, he provides us all the things that you look for in a king. In return, he gets our loyalty, he gets our obedience, he gets our allegiance. That's the way a monarchy works, right? Well, in terms of the kingdom of our hearts, the kingdom of God existing in us, then that's all about yielding your will to the will of the Father, to the will of the King. You know, what would Jesus do? Right on your bracelet, right? What would Jesus do? Because I'm a subject of His, and because I'm a subject of His, then I walk in accordance with His will, I walk in accordance with His desires, and in return, I'm in covenant with the creator of the universe almighty god right it's a pretty good trade-off but it's this it's this idea that he we make him king of our hearts king of our lives then the kingdom of god is manifest in us okay but kind of good so that's the idea of the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god being in existence in us so there are certain principles there are certain laws that govern that kingdom there are certain laws like any kingdom there are laws one of those laws is the law of sowing and reaping Okay, it's the law of sowing and reaping we'll read Galatians 6 in fact why don't you guys go ahead and bring that up turn your Bibles if you will to Galatians 6 7 right oh forgot one verse though before you can leave it up there but one verse that's why Jesus said this right in Matthew six thirty three. seek ye first the kingdom of heaven seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you kind of an important point I missed it in my notes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and, and, and all these things shall be added unto you. He was talking about all these material possessions. That's what he was. He was talking about the birds of the air fed, the flowers of the field are clothed, all of those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all your material needs will be added unto you. That's the king that we worship. Okay, everybody good? Okay, so now we go to Galatians 6. Galatians 6, book of Galatians was written in about 62 AD, something like that. It's about 30 years after Christ. Paul's writing to a bunch of churches that are located in the region of Galatia. These are pretty new Christians, okay, fairly new Christians. The church at Galatia, or it, it actually was Lystra and Derby and, and some of those places, but they were fairly new Christians. They had only been in existence about five or six years. Okay, and so Paul's writing to them in the book of Galatians, and he's teaching them about this kingdom, right? He's teaching them about these principles. He said, y'all are new Christians, basically. They were under attack from a bunch of people from Jerusalem that were trying to teach them they had to obey the law instead of walk in grace, right? Never hear that anywhere, right? But. Yeah, have to have to do all this stuff, including circumcision, and, and instead of walking in grace, and so he's writing them this letter to be circulated among all the churches. In Galatians six seven, he says this right. He says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap." Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, y'all okay? I'm good. Next one says, "For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption." But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then the last verse, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Okay. So what Paul's doing, is he says, look, y'all are new Christians. You need to understand this principle. You need to understand this law that applies in your lives today. And that law is don't be deceived. In fact, you know, don't, don't lose sight of this. God's not going to be mocked. What you, what you sow, that you'll also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the f- corruption. If you're going to sow to the Spirit, then of the Spirit you'll reap everlasting life. We'll talk in a minute about what that all means. But he's essentially saying you need to understand a principle that's embedded into creation. It's a principle that's been in existence from ever since God created the earth, okay? And it's one that governs his kingdom as well. That goes back to Genesis 1, okay? Stay with me for a minute. You'll see how this applies to us. But let's go to Genesis one Genesis one eleven, and we're going to see how God embedded this principle, principle of sowing and reaping into creation from the very beginning of time. He says this, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass... The herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Okay, it's underlined, right? Yeah, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. Next passage says, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. So as early as the third day of creation, God put the law, the principle of sowing and reaping into effect. Okay? Here's how we observe it, right? We live in an agricultural society. We know about this. If we plant a wheat seed, then what comes up is wheat, right? We plant, you know, corn, grain, sorghum. Grain, sorghum, what comes up? Grain. We plant corn, what comes up? Corn. Apple, apple tree. Right, all those things. We also know, by the way, if we plant cockleburs, y'all you know what cockleburs are. All right, cockleburs. You plant cockleburs, what do you get? Cockleburs. Right. You plant goatheads. You know, what goatheads are those little stickers. Goatheads are all over my yard. You don't know what they are? Come see my yard in the summer. Goatheads. Right. Goatheads. Goatheads. Yeah, Daniel can take care of that. He said, "Call me. I'll come." Okay. Goatheads. You get goatheads. Right. Because seed produces after its kind. There's another principle that's in effect as well. That's the law of multiplication, because when you plant a kernel of corn, what happens? You get a stalk of corn with a bunch of ears of corn, and each ear has a bunch of kernels on it. Yeah, Whoa! How's that happen? You know, you plant a, an apple seed, an apple tree comes up. The apple tree is full of apples, and in each apple, there's what? A bunch of seeds. That's God's principle of multiplication. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. It's also the principle of multiplication. It's how God's kingdom operates, right? And so when we begin to understand that and we begin to recognize that not only does that principle, that law apply in the agricultural sense, not only does it apply in the creative sense, it also applies with regard to our actions, our words, (laughs) our conduct, our behavior, Uh uh-oh, you know, kind of has a little more impact, right? Same law, same law, but it's just manifest. It just becomes in operation in different ways, right? What Paul taught us in Galatians 6, he said, if you sow to the flesh, okay, if you're sowing seeds of greed, covetedness, Anger, wrath, malice, unforgiveness, bitterness, meanness, those things. You sow those seeds, that's the actions, that's the word, that's the conduct that you're spewing out there. Then what happens? It brings forth fruit after its kind. Hello? Brings forth strife, anger, unforgiveness, you know, malice, wrath, all of those things. It brings forth fruit. And Paul says that fruit. The fruit of the flesh is corruption. It leads to corruption. Now, that word corruption in the Greek uh, really means stinky, rotten, smelly stuff. (laughs) That's what the word, rotten, smelly, stinky, yucky stuff. That's what the word corruption means. It's like that stuff (laughs) when you're cleaning out the refrigerator. Okay, you've been there? You know, you go back there and, whoa, got a little Tupperware thing. Can't really identify that. Pull the lid off. Whoa! Whoa! I always gave a spoon to my kids and said, here, taste this, see if it's still good. You know? It's that stuff, right? That's corruption. That's what, that's what sowing to the flesh yields. Stinky, smelly, yucky stuff, right? Okay, and so Paul's saying when you sow that, that the law of sowing and reaping comes into effect. And so that you're going to see meanness and strife and anger and unforgiveness and all those things. I saw a perfect illustration of this when I was a young lawyer right i was practicing law and i got a call from my pastor at the time and he said marty we had this lady call the church she's an elderly lady and she needs some help she doesn't have much longer to live she needs some help drawing up a will well i don't i didn't do wills then i still don't do wills now by the way thank you very much don't call me to do your will i don't do wills um but but i said well okay you know it's my pastor calling okay this lady needs help he said simple little will no problem you know just if you'll just go meet with her she can't get out uh but if you'll just go meet with her then endure will i'd really appreciate it and i said okay pastor i'll do it and he said oh one thing this lady is a real stinker (laughs) for my pastor to use the word stinker it was like whoa but he said this lady's a real stinker i'm going okay i'm not sure what that means but i go lived on lincoln street i knock on the door open the door pastor's term was pretty descriptive okay (laughs) She was a bitter lady, you know, like a mean, hard, bitter, elderly lady, okay? Um, in fact, you know, she had arthritis, and she lived with this little stinky dog. She, you know, yep, yep, yep. You know, he, he literally it was an ankle biter. He would literally bite my ankles when I went over to his house. You know, ankle biter, it's a little dog. So anyway, so I go in, and I, I get to know this lady. Um, and so I'm, I'm drawing up a will, and she goes, well, here's what I want you to do, you know? I don't like lawyers anyway. That's how she started. I said, "Well, thank you very much. You know, I'm just here on my own. Um, But, you know, I don't like lawyers, but here's what I want to do. I want you to draw up a will that cuts my kids out of everything. I don't want them to have anything. In fact, I want you to put in this will that they are a bunch of lousy do-gooders, never going to amount to nothing. I want that to be in my last will and testament. I'm just going, oh, this will be a joy, you know, to (laughs) probate that will, right? And so... I talked to her and kind of toned her down a little bit, and we'd put, you know, put what she wanted in the will, a little more official language than that, you know, and so said, just me or the light's going out? There we go. I <laughs> uh, thought, oh, I can't see, I can't see. Uh, no, so, so, so I wrote, toned down the will, got the will prepared, we got it all signed and done, you know, and so, um, and, and just, but the lady was just this bitter lady, and but she kept calling, right? She she needed anything, she would, she would call me. So being the bright, young future pastor that I was I ponder off on my wife right I called Cindy Cindy I got somebody you need to meet you know so this lady would call me and I'd say oh Cindy here you know so my wife Saint Cindy as she's known you know in most circles um she takes on this lady as a project right so she goes in she she did everything she took the little stinky dog to the vet I mean she tended to this lady for two years really lady lived for quite a for two years Cindy just ministered this lady constantly teaching her about Jesus, constantly, you know, just drawing her, ministering, trying to pray in for her all the time. But this lady never really relented. I mean, she just had so much unforgiveness and so much hurt and, and just, you know, just never really relented on anything. But then one day, Cindy got a call from St. Anthony's Hospital back when it was on Emerald Boulevard, and this lady had listed Cindy as her next of kin, okay? And so they got, she got a call, and the, the nurse said, uh, this lady's here and she you know, is and she doesn't have much longer to live and so Cindy said I've got to go pray for her I've got to go you know, talk to her I said okay so she went down there and Cindy led her to the Lord that day that night the lady was conscious enough and she accepted Christ and she was crying Cindy just said you know if you'll accept Jesus Christ he'll forgive all of that you know, he'll welcome you into heaven you know when you go there and the lady said okay I'll give in you know, and she, she gave in she died the next day. I know right now she's in heaven, you know, living a glorious life, but you know, it's a deathbed, yeah. Conversion. But unfortunately, during her life, right, it was a manifestation of sowing to the flesh. You know, she just was harbored bitterness, unforgiveness, meanness, all of those things, you know, just did whatever she wanted to do and just didn't care about anybody else. And as a result of that, for a most of her life, she reaped corruption. Right? She reaped what she had sown to the flesh. Now, what this lady didn't know, and Cindy tried to demonstrate to her, and ultimately she did, I guess, receive the fact that there's another law of the kingdom called the law of grace. Right? It's the law of grace. And that law of grace says that when we turn to Christ, right? when we receive what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, and all those seeds, those yucky, ugly seeds that we've been planted, that we've been planting, they don't necessarily sprout and come up because the grace of God then goes into operation. God's mercy, his faithfulness, you know, his heart and his graciousness toward his kids come in and the law of grace supersedes the law of sowing and reaping. Okay, you with me? So that's the hope, that's the promise that we have, that we invite Jesus Christ into our life. We're what? We're a new creature. New seed. Thank goodness I don't have to reap all those seeds I planted in college, right? Amen? Right, it's the law of grace that comes in and supersedes the law of sowing and reaping. The law of grace works like this. I fly a lot, right? I go to Austin a lot, and so I fly. And so it always amazes me how these huge jetliners full of people, right, 150 people can ever get off the ground. I mean, don't you ever just kind of sit there and go, is this thing, you know, we're going down the runway pretty fast. Is this thing really going to, you know, take off before we hit that grain elevator on, you know, on the far end down there? Right? I mean, you show just a little bit of thought in there. Well, what happens is the law of gravity is in work, at work to keep that plane on the ground, heavy, big plane. But the laws of aerodynamics supersede the law of gravity right I don't know I can't name them all engineers probably can but it's like the law of thrust right the law of drag the law of lift and something else anyway there's these four laws and these four laws of aerodynamics get that plane up in the air and it overcomes the law of gravity okay the law of sowing and reaping says don't be mocked don't be deceived or don't don't be deceived God will not be mocked whatever you sow so shall ye reap that's still a law it's still in, in effect but the law of grace says that when we turn to the Lord in repentance, when we turn to the Lord in, in just love and worship, and we begin to praise Him, the law of grace supersedes that law of sowing and reaping. So, what we begin to do then is sow to the Spirit. Okay? Let's just love it when we get down to that the title of the message, Sowing to the Spirit. It only took me 35 minutes to get to the title of the message. Sowing to the Spirit, right? What's sowing to the Spirit? Well, sowing to the Spirit is yielding yielding to the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you when you accept Jesus Christ. You accept Jesus Christ, the kingdom is established in you, right? kingdom has come near unto you. It's, it's in you. And so you walk in the kingdom of God. You walk as a subject of His, right? And what you're beginning to do is sow to the Spirit. And of the Spirit, what do you reap? Everlasting life. Pull that scripture up there again if you guys don't mind. He who sows to the Spirit says will of the Spirit... There we go. Yeah, he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, we think a lot of times when we read everlasting life or eternal life in the New Testament or in the Bible, we think that's talking about heaven. It does include heaven. It does encompass heaven. But it's not exclusively heaven. If you look at the Greek words for everlasting life, what you'll see is the word life there is Zoe. Okay, you probably heard that. Zoe, Zoe life. That means the life force of God. That word Zoe, there's two kinds of life, words for life in the Greek. One is bios, okay? Biological life. That's us, right? Bios. The other one is zoe. Zoe is God's life. Okay? It's a power of life that exists in God. Okay? And the power of life that exists in God, let me give you an example of it. Paul's preaching, right, the book of Acts, and he wipes his brow, he gets sweaty, and he wipes his brow with with this handkerchief, and then he, people take up this handkerchief, and anybody who touches that handkerchief is healed and delivered. <laughs> Quite a bit of life, right? I mean, that's life. So the, the life of God that was in Paul was such that when they touched the handkerchief that he had touched, then... <laughs> life deliverance healing all that comes life force of god is such that whenever peter was preaching and he would walk along rows of people that were sick they'd bring out all the sick and and all the demon possessed to him and as his shadow was cast on these people they would get up and walk they would be healed they would be delivered all these all these demons just i'm kind of ready to have one of those services right where you know hey, just shadow you know there it is right it, that's the life force of God. That's how powerful it is. Peter and John, the guy that was lame from birth at the gate, beautiful, the beggar, said, you know, hey, have you got anything for us? And, and Peter said, gold and silver have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, reached out and grabbed him, rise up and walk. What happened? The life force that was in Peter and John was transmitted into that guy, and he was healed. He didn't just walk. He, le- he leaped and praised God and ran around the whole temple. That's the power of life that comes when you sow to the Spirit. Okay, I'm just saying, right? When you sow to the Spirit, that's the life. The word everlasting does mean eternal, it does mean forever, but it also means limitless, right? Limitless. Everlasting life is the limitless life of God. Here's the bottom line. When you sow to the Spirit, when you yield to the Holy Spirit in your life, when you walk in communion with him when you walk in relationship with him when you walk in obedience to him when he's the king of kings and lord of lords of your life then the result of that is the limitless life force of God begins to become evident in you, in your home in your business in every sphere of influence over which you have any any dominion, right? of which you have any control it's the life force of God Whew. I could use some of that, right? Right. I mean, that's that's it. That's everlasting life, and so as Paul's teaching him, sow to the spirit, sow to the spirit. When you sow to the spirit, the law of grace then comes into effect. It supersedes the law of sowing to the flesh of, of the flesh. The seeds that you've sown and limitless life results. Okay. And he teaches us. We're about to wind up here, but he teaches us in Galatians five what that looks like, right? So if you look at Galatians five nineteen. He's continuing to teach these same Christians, these same believers. He says, now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to read them all, right? It's depressing, right? All that stuff. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, drunkenness, revelries, all that stuff. That's sowing to the flesh, right? Those are the works of the flesh. But he goes on to say, oh, we'll look at the first last word, uh, sentence. Just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit what? Kingdom of God. God. Hello, right? I mean, if you want the kingdom of God to be evident in your life, if you want it to show forth as your inheritance, then you can't expect to sow all these things to the flesh, right? But he goes on to teach, our favorite verse, 522 and 23. Voila, there you go. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? I've heard this. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. <laughs> there is no law, right? Nothing supersedes that, right? Because when you sow, those, you sow those kinds of seed, then what are you going to get? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are good ones to memorize, by the way. That's just, yeah, right? That's what you get. And do you just get just this little parcel? Just No, no. it's the law of multiplication. Law of multiplication works there too. You sow that seed, then the law of sowing and reaping says this is what you're going to reap. Are you just going to reap it in just these little bits? No, you're going to reap it in abundance. You're going to have corn stalks full of it, right? Full of ears of corn. That's how that works. So then you see an abundance of love. Whew, I could use some of that, right? Love, joy, joy. Huh? Who wouldn't want joy, right? Peace, huh, coming in the Christmas season. Don't we need an abundance of peace? I mean, you know, peace. All those things begin to become manifest in our lives. We begin to see more and more of that in our lives as we sow to the Spirit. Whew. And here's the deal. It's a law. <laughs> it's a law, right? It's a law built in from the beginning of creation, right? From the beginning of time. Oh, I left out the third day, didn't I? Didn't talk about the third day. Did I talk about this in this service? I haven't. It's a bad thing about teaching two services. You forget what you taught in the first one. Here's the deal about the third day. Well, That's a good way to wrap it up anyway. This is, this, is, this is what about the third day. On the beginning, it, it said, uh, and so God created seed according to its kind, put that in place on the third day. What else happened on the third day? What else is significant about the third day other than it being a really good Christian group you know, that we all like, right, Matt Powell or whatever. So on the third day, Jesus rose again right? Jesus was crucified, he was in the tomb for three days, and on the third day, what happened? He rose again. Why is that important? Because Jesus taught his disciples, when he was getting ready to talk about, uh, to, to going to the cross, he said, the son of man is about to be glorified. And they're going, well, what does that mean? Son of man is going to be glorified. I'm going to be lifted up, and if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, right? Y'all know that scripture? I'll be lifted up, I'll draw him in unto me. And said he spoke of his crucifix and he spoke of his death. And then he said, if a seed, if a wheat, a seed of wheat does not fall to the ground and die, it cannot bring forth fruit. That's what he said, just, just stuck that in there. If the seed of wheat does not fall to the ground and die, then it cannot bring forth fruit. And he was speaking of his own death. On the third day, according to the principle of sowing and reaping, which God created on the third day of creation, Jesus goes to the cross. On the third day, he rises again. And what does he do? He brings forth fruit. Right. Hello, that's you. Right. If people call you fruity Christians, go, Amen. Hey, man, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a fruit, right? I'm a fruity Christian. I'm the fruit of Jesus, the seed. Right? And the fruit of Jesus, the seed, going to the cross and being resurrected again. And what did he bring forth? A lot of little Christians. Right? Christians. Christians, you know what? Christians, that's little Christs. Literally, that's what that means. Christian is little Christ. That's what that means. So when Jesus died on the cross, according to the law of sowing and reaping, right? Right? He dies on the cross. He brings forth fruit. It said he's the first fruits, the first fruits of those that follow after him. And so the billions and billions of Christians, including all of us, that have come forth as a result of Jesus going to the cross and dying as seed, right, we're the fruit of his, of his death. The law of sowing and reaping applies to us. And here's what that means He brings forth fruit according to its kind. That's the law. So what are we? We walk like Jesus walked. There is a a life force in us. There is something embedded in us. According to the law of sowing and reaping that says, if you will yield to the Holy Spirit, if you will yield to Jesus as your king, then you will reflect the presence of Christ in your life. That's why it's not of your works, lest anyone should boast. We're told in Ephesians, it's not of your works, it's not of your effort, it's the fact that you yield to the power of God in you because you were born into that. You're the fruit of Jesus Christ. You're the Christians. You were born into that and because you're born into that, then you bring forth that fruit. Whew. In your home, in your school, in your workplace, in your relationships, in every area we should be manifesting the kingdom of God right? because we sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh. We sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh. So when those temptations come up for us to indulge the flesh, right, jealousies, envy, anger, wrath, lust, all the greed, covetousness, all those things that try to find its way into our lives, then we don't indulge that flesh knowing of the flesh will reap corruption. What we do instead is turn to Jesus and say, I'm born of you. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. And I'm your fruit. I'm the fruit of your death and I'm the fruit of your resurrection. So Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you bring forth that fruit in my life? I just yield to that now. I just allow you to move in my life. I allow you to operate in my life marriage in my finances in my home in my education in everything i'm i allow you to operate i subject my will to yours because i'm a child of the king amen i'm a child of the king okay all right law of sowing and reaping right put it in faith go forth and multiply amen no okay let's pray this has been a presentation of amarillo fellowship a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.